For those of you who were here tonight at the beginning of worship, we uh, sang a song. The one of the first lines was um, "Awaken, Awaken First Love," and um, I really sense tonight that's that's the invitation um, Jesus is inviting us to that first love to be awakened. And um, just in case that that doesn't mean something to you, um, that's from the book of Revelation where Jesus is is imploring us to remember him as our first love. And so for many of us, that kind of harkens back to different times in our lives when, you know, usually the very first time when Jesus became very real to us and we began to experience his presence and realize this wasn't just a concept or an idea, but Jesus was real. And, and, and the first time you felt his affection, his tenderness, his forgiveness, and you melted, um, in tears or whatever it was like for you. And, uh, I, I remembered some of those moments tonight as we were singing that song, just going back. The Lord took me back there. Um, he is, he is so good. The Lord is so good to us. And, and tonight, um, I, that's where I wanted to go. I just, I felt, a couple mornings ago, I woke up just knowing the Lord wanted, uh, I knew I was going to be preaching, but but I, I felt like the Lord wanted us to come back to that place of the first love, but also that place of just remembering, um, remembering how good he is, remembering the gospel, the truth of the gospel. And can I tell you something? The gospel, which is the good news, it doesn't get old. It never gets old. In fact, you know, if, if ever... Um, after I'm done tonight, if you were just saying, Brent, I don't know, I don't want to hear the good news anymore, then you just let me know. But I'm thinking that's probably not going to be true. I'm being silly. So um, this this phrase, which comes from Scripture, mercy triumphs over judgment. I want to talk about that a little bit tonight. And um, that word mercy, oh, here we go. Yeah, someone just said it. Um, this is your Hebrew lesson. And, and, uh, try to do this without spitting in the person in front of you, but it's, it's chesed. You got that? Chesed. Okay. Now you can apologize to the, yeah, okay. Um, that, that's the Hebrew word for mercy, chesed. And, um, I like to go back to the Hebrew whenever you can. You know why? Because, because the Greek New Testament, what they're trying to do, that was, they're trying to take Hebrew terms and bring it into a different language, into Greek, which is good. It just, every time you do that, it loses something, you know, in the translation a little bit. And so I wanted to go back to the original, to the, uh, to the, the original word for mercy. Remember, this is mercy triumphs over judgment. So what is mercy? Mercy is God's covenant loving kindness. His covenant. We've been talking a lot about covenant lately, right? This is his promise. I, I want you. I'm going to have you and I'm going to be loving and kind to you. That's what mercy is all about. It's his tangible compassion and love, not just emotions or feelings. So it isn't just that God says, well, I, I think I feel like being merciful to you. No, it, it's, it's, something much deeper than that. It's from within coming out. He can't help himself. He says, I have to be compassionate and loving to you because I want to be, because it's my covenant with you. It's his tenderness for us in action. It's all about God wanting relationship. It's what he's always wanted. And so mercy 
is his continued choice to be with us and never separated. See how active mercy is? Mercy is so much bigger than just a word like, oh, I feel pity for you. I think I won't, you know, send a lightning bolt. Sometimes we think that's what mercy is. I'm telling you, it is much, it is much deeper. It's covenant. It's God's choice that he wants to be with us. And mercy, chesed, cannot be exhausted. There is no end. There is no limit to mercy. It isn't like one day he wakes up and says, well, I think that was about enough. I think I extended mercy long enough. No, actually, there's no end to it whatsoever. Here's that same verse in James, which is James 2.13. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Here it is in the Message Bible. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. Can we say that together? Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. Yeah, that's, that's good. And here's another verse kind of like it in Romans 2 verse 4. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Romans 2 4. The kindness of God leads us to repentance. Now both of these scriptures, if you go back and look at them in context, both of them are about how the, the legalistic, uh, trying to do everything just right, make sure everybody else does, kills us. But instead, God says, I'm merciful. I'm, in, I'm, I'm inviting you to be merciful with each other. Receive my mercy and be merciful with each other. He says, it's my kindness that leads to repentance. Repentance does mean that we need to turn around. If we're forgetting who we are, right? We, uh, you know, is there a need for repentance? Of course there is. Because we forget who we are. But repentance is never about shame and condemnation, not from the Lord. Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, correct? It's Romans 8.1, there's none. But repentance means, I forgot who I was. Lord, I got so engulfed with my pain, with my fear, uh, addictions, things I, that just overwhelmed me, and I forgot who I was. And Papa says to you, remember. But he says so with kindness. He's got a smile on his face. He's saying to you, remember who you are. And that's what leads us to go, oh yeah, that's right. God, thank you. And we come running back. Repentance causes us to move back into who we always were, but we forgot. Okay? Now, everything I just told you is is true. And it's, and, 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 uh, words are so good. Our minds like to think and chew over some things. Concepts are really good, but what I really love is a good story. Because it's one thing to talk about, um, tri- um, mercy, but it's a very different thing to actually see it in action. And so this is why I want to look at Jesus tonight. And, and, um, I wrote here, Jesus shows mercy to the woman caught in adultery. And most of our Bibles, when they have those little headings, you know, for different sections, mine and probably most of yours says the woman caught in adultery. And um, I would like to just go and cross that out because that wasn't actually something that was in the Bible. That was added later. And, and even though I wrote here, just to give you the context, it's really a story about the merciful Jesus. 
That's what the story is about. It's about the merciful Jesus who's showing us perfectly the merciful Father. Right? So I want to read this to you. And uh, if you got your Bibles, by all means, go to John 8. Because we're going to read this. And um, before, before I look at this story, um, I want to also remind you of what happened previous to this story. And that is, I mean, right in a few verses right beforehand um, is the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders of the day were getting increasingly frustrated and agitated. And um, I will call it uh, that, that religious spirit is, is murderous. It really is. The religious spirit wants to wants to assassinate it just gets so angry and wants to assassinate. And Jesus was dealing with that in a very real way. In fact, a few verses before this story, the, the Pharisees are just, they're, they're all riled up because they're so mad that more and more people are getting sucked in by this Jesus guy. How can they fall for this is what they're thinking. And, and so, and, and you know who's, in, who's part of the Pharisees is, is Nicodemus, the one who in John 3 came to him in the middle of the night and and. Jesus told him about being born again. That Nicodemus, he's there in the midst of the hornet's nest of these, of these Pharisees. And he's saying, he says to them out loud, you can read it in chapter seven. He says, um, I don't, it's not right. It's not part of our law. Is it that we're going to condemn someone when we haven't even given them a chance to tell their story? And they turn on Nicodemus. Who are you? You're a Galilean too. Like you're sucked into, uh, by this guy too. And so he's like, you know, enough said. He just kind of, interesting story. The reason why I'm telling you all this is because when you get to John chapter 8 and when they conveniently wait for Jesus to be in the midst of a crowd where he's teaching and then bring a woman who's caught in adultery, none of that is coincidental. They're absolutely, they are furious, they are angry, they want to do whatever they can to take this guy out. So this was their next attempt. I just wanted to give you that because it kind of puts the story into a you know, a little bit more serious frame, which is what, which is what uh, the Pharisees intended. So, uh, chapter eight, verse one: Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At daybreak, he appeared in the temple again. So, this is the next day after all the other things I just mentioned to you. And as all the people came to him, so they're coming to Jesus. They love Jesus. He sat down and he began to teach them. So, as I said, very, not coincidentally. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman along who had been caught committing adultery and making her stand there in the middle. Making her stand there in the middle. This is all about shame. That's, again, what a religious spirit wants to do is cause shame. So we're going to have this woman stand in the middle we're gonna. She's already feeling humiliated, uh, terribly filled with shame. But that's not enough for them. We're gonna park her right in the middle of everybody. We're gonna make you feel really bad in front of everybody. So that's their intent. In addition to trapping Jesus, and they said to Jesus, Master, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery, and in the law Moses has ordered us to stone women of this kind. What have you to say, Jesus? 
I want to tell you something. They were, they were expecting one of two answers. The first answer would have been, you're absolutely right. That's what the law says. Let's stone her. You see, if, if Jesus did that, they're like, cool, because he's not going to be quite so popular after this, after they see what the law does to people. And Jesus is one of these people who are just going to keep the law and we're going to murder this person. See, it's going to be a really bad scene and Jesus isn't going to be so popular. They're okay if he does that. Or answer number two is, well, no, we shouldn't stone her. In which case they will say, how can you say that when the law commands? The law, Jesus, you Jewish scribe, teacher, you're saying you're not going to keep the law? He completely stuck, right? Jesus, brilliant Jesus. I mean, brilliant, 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 brilliant Jesus. Wisdom from heaven. First thing he does is he bends down and starts writing on the ground with his finger. Now, I'm not, there's a lot of different teaching out there about what he was doing and what he might have written on the ground. I, I'm actually not going to talk about that tonight. But partly I do want to say sometimes giving yourself some time, you know, when others are, are, are trying to trap you is, is a really good thing to do. Just, just listening to the spirit. But it says, as they persisted with their question, so Jesus, what's it going to be? Stop writing on the ground. What's your answer? Yes or no, do we stone her? They're thinking, lose, lose for Jesus, right? He says, all right, he straightens up and he says, let the one among you who is guiltless or who was without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. I can just feel, picture those the scribes and the Pharisees going, dang, dang it. We gave him A or B and he chose C. Oh. And it says, then he, he bent down and continued writing on the ground. Interesting. Can I just tell you this? This is, this is something I got out of this just today. There are times when God's going to give you brilliant things in the moment. Just the right thing in the moment. And you're going to know it. You're going to be like, wow, that was way better than I could have come up with. When, when something like that comes out of your mouth, a lot of times it's really good just to stop. A lot of times we try to add on and then we find ourselves, you know, foot back in mouth. Like, just stop. When he gives you something brilliant, let the people chew on it. Because it's coming straight from him. Right? So, so there they are. And it says, so he's been writing on the ground again. When they heard this, they went away one by one, beginning with the eldest, until the very last one had gone. Beginning with the eldest. Interesting. You know why? Because they're alive longer. You know how many, you know how many times they fell short of the glory of God? And they know it. And you're talking about religious leaders. What? They make mistakes? What? Yeah. 
Yeah, and they knew it. And, and how many of them who walked away one by one, by the way, just might have been involved in adultery themselves at one point in their life? Just saying. It's not in the story. And I can see the last few of them, like, just saying, no, he's not going to win. Those, oh. You're like, one by one, they're all leaving, and there's, suddenly there's one guy left. He's going to take on Jesus? No, he starts to think about his own life, his own sin, the ways that he has fallen short. And he walks away. The last one walks away. And this is fascinating to me. Jesus, again, at that point, straightens up. So I have a feeling Jesus was going to bend down there a long time, as long as it took them to think it through. And finally he gets back up because the last one has left. And he says, woman, where are they? Did I mention Jesus is brilliant? Brilliant. How do you walk through life and and be one who brings truth, but you don't condemn? He does it over and over in in, in the scriptures. He brings truth out, but he's not condemning. Because he didn't come, because God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that, so that through him the world would be saved, right? So he says, woman, he says, woman, uh, where are they? He could have said, oh, looks like they're all gone, because there's a lot of things he could have said. Woman, where are they? Do you know why he said that? I believe it's because he wanted the woman who was just shamed publicly. Just moments ago, she was put in the middle of all these people so that everybody can spit on her and tell her what a horrible person she is. Now it's just her and Jesus. She's about to find out just how merciful Jesus really is. And he says, woman, where are they? Because he wants her to figure out, oh, wow, they're all in the same camp I am. They're all in the same boat. They've all made mistakes just like me. He's letting her figure it out. Woman, where are they? So he didn't, he didn't slam the, those guys. He didn't say, did you see what a bunch of hypocrites they were? Never. See, that's not Jesus. He doesn't condemn in any direction. How do you, how do, you do that? By the Spirit of God. By the Spirit of God in us, the more that we understand Papa's heart, the more we allow the Spirit access to our hearts, we live more and more like, like that. And then he says to her, has no one condemned you? No one, sir. She replied, neither do I condemn you. I want to remind you, Jesus came to perfectly show us the Father. Perfectly. I want to remind you that even in this story, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. We sometimes forget that. What does that mean? That means it was always the Father's heart. Even before the foundation of the world, it says the Lamb was slain, meaning meaning that sin was never going to be an issue getting in the way of us and the Father. 
Before the foundation of the earth, God said, I've got a plan. And my son is going to walk that out. So when Jesus says to this woman, I don't condemn you. When Jesus says to the paralytic lowered through the roof, take heart, your sins are forgiven. Even when he didn't ask for forgiveness, he was perfectly representing the father. See, that, that, that religious spirit, and, I, and it is, I say that um, because there's, it's, it's something that is from the evil one. There's a spirit involved when we try, when we want to attack, when we want to find cause for others uh, who should not be forgiven, who should not be um, loved or blessed or whatever it is. We don't want that for ourselves, mind you, but we find reasons to put others in those camps, right? That's the spirit from the enemy who's trying to get us, trying to get us to bite and trying to get us to, to, um, to agree with, with, uh, with a plan that's not the father's, which is let's look for reasons why he wouldn't accept us. Let's look, let's tell people why God would walk away from them. See, that's not the gospel. There's nothing about that that's the gospel. And you might be saying, well, well, Brent, isn't there, isn't there right or wrong? Isn't there sin? Yeah. You know what? He left that for the last line. He said, go and sin no more. That was it. Jesus has got a crowd, right? Around him, right? Wouldn't this be the ideal time to have a five point sermon on why God is against adultery? I'm, I'm serious. Wouldn't, Right? Hey, this, surely this is what God wants everyone to know. I'm against adultery. That's the main point here. No, that's not the main point here. The main point here is mercy. This is the main point of the gospel. It's mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. God wants to invite us back into remembering how good and kind he is. And not just when you got saved, but how about every day of your life? I don't know about you, but I've needed his mercy every day of my life. We need his mercy. But fortunately for us, it's not our needing it that presents it. It's God's heart that gives it. It's his heart who wants us in relationship. Father, thank you that your plan has always, has always been forgiveness, mercy, grace. Thank you, Father, that none of this was left to chance. Thank you, Jesus, for, 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 for choosing the way of the cross. For the joy set before you, you endured the cross, scorning its shame. But you wanted us, you and the Father and Holy Spirit, from before that any of this was created, before we were here, you said, we want them. We want them all. We want them with us. Thank you, Jesus. Each and every one of us, we need your mercy. 
We need your mercy. And we're so grateful. We're so grateful. God, I just want to ask, ask that you'd forgive us for the times when we don't extend mercy. That's part of forgetting who we are. That's part of forgetting whose image we are created in. We want to make everything right and wrong and black and white and put people in camps and boxes and whatever. And Jesus, you, yeah, you did say something at the end to the woman. You said, go and sin no more. You're, you, you wanted her to know this is going to hurt you. This is not my plan for you. This is not who you are. But you did it with mercy. And there are some of you in this room tonight, you really need to experience that mercy. Some of you who have... Um, been pretty hard on yourself, harsh on yourself. Um, some of you have lost hope, maybe, even for that, that God still loves you, that you're still part of the plan, that you're still saved. Can I tell you, salvation is, is about believing the truth, that Jesus is exactly this one we just read about. Salvation is, as expressed in Romans 10, is, is us saying, wow, Jesus, you, you are the son of God. You did die for me. You, you are alive in heaven. I want to be with you. I want to follow you. That's it. That's, that's salvation. Salvation then looks like, looks like a changed life. It looks like fruit because we believe this truth more and more and more that we're no longer performing to try to be good enough. We're saying, Jesus, we believe you're the one who changes us. I can't change me, but you change me. And he does. And can I tell you, your eternal life started the day you believed him. In him and the day you believed him. That day when you said, Jesus, you're real. Jesus, you are the son of God. You did die for me. That's when your eternal life started. You're already an eternal being. That's why Jesus said in John 11 that when you die, when you leave this body on this earth, you will not die. You will never die is what he told you. How can that be true? Because you're already an eternal being. You're going to go from life to more life. But I'll tell you what, this condemnation thing, this shame thing is the, is the devil's game it's to make you feel horrible about yourself. It's to make you want to give up. It has nothing to do with who Jesus says you are. Nothing. But it feels so real and it just pushes us down and makes us, makes us feel horrible. And then we start doing bad things to other people because we feel bad about ourselves. It's just awful cycle. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Enough, enough, enough. Here's my verdict. Here's the Father's verdict. The Father's verdict at the cross for each one of you said, innocent. You are innocent. You are not guilty. That was his verdict. And he says, who wants in on that? I do. Who wouldn't? That's why, that's why we have to be telling the good news. As a church, we can't be telling the bad news. We can't tell the bad news. The bad news is God, God's fed up with you. You're going to hell. I mean, you've heard some awful things. Like, stop it, church. 
I'm not saying you all are doing that, but I'm saying we've got to stop that because that's not the truth. The truth is you have a father who loves you and who has always wanted you. You have a father who on the cross 2,000 years ago said to you, not guilty. And a father who said, please, please, my children, come in with me. Let's live that life where I will tell you who you are and I will give you the strength to be who you are. Who I created you to be. That's the gospel. Freedom. Jesus, I am asking for your freedom. For every person in this room. Freedom. 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 Freedom from shame. Freedom from condemnation. I'm going to play a video uh, song. And um, I want to... This is what I want to encourage you to do is, is allow yourself to be taken in by the good news. Allow Jesus to, to woo your heart again. Especially if some of you in this room, if you felt like your heart is just hard. Like, I don't want it to be hard. I just... But I know these things you're saying are true, Brent, but I don't know. I'm not feeling it allow him get let him tell him jesus make my heart soft again and for some of you it is it is the shame and the and the condemnation that's kept you away not because he's apart from you that's not true but it just it just shuts down our emotions that's what shame does it shuts us down and so i'm saying run run to the mercy of the cross run to the mercy of the cross so as we show this video if you want to come up Please come up if you, however, whatever you need to do. But I'm saying this, this is about you and Jesus. This is about remembering who he really is and giving him access to your heart. So Holy Spirit, would you just touch us? Just touch us right now. If you want to come up, please come up. Let her air come. Everything I do. Would you cause us to fall in love with you all over again? I mean, really fall in love with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You've done it all. Jesus, you've done it all for us. I just see Jesus right now. I really do. I'm watching in my spirit. I can see Jesus walking around the room, approaching each of you. And he's just saying to you, I'll I'll take that. I'll take that, that, that thing that isn't, isn't you. 
It's what I died for. I'll take that from you. I'll take that shame. I'll take that self-hatred. I'll take the anger. I want that shame and condemnation because it's not yours. I, I died for that. I already took it on me, so you can't have it. Would you give it to me? Whatever that looks like for you, and for some of you, it's something you're going to do right now. For some of you, it's you're going to remember this later tonight. In coming days or weeks, you're going to remember this. And you're going to say, oh, yeah, Jesus. You Maybe just you're going to be alone in your room or something. And you're going to say, oh, yeah, Jesus, you... You said you wanted this. I, I don't. It's too heavy. It's too much. It's not. It's not for me. But for some of you, even right now, you're going to be able just to, just give that. Just, just tell him I don't want this here. This is this is for you. I don't want this. And Jesus looks right into your eyes. And he says to you, I do not condemn you. I forgive you. I speak for the Father and you are forgiven. And now I want you to look in the kindness. Look at the kindness in my eyes towards you. I am not mad at you. I'm not frustrated with you. I have great, great compassion for you. In exchange for the heaviness, I'm going to give you lightness. I'm going to give you my glory. I'm going to give you my joy, the joy of knowing that it is well with your soul because you belong to me. This is my gift to you. My peace I leave to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm right here. It's okay. Don't don't be afraid. I'm here to walk with you. I'm here to hold you. I'm here to make sense of the things that don't make sense. I'm here to repair relationships that seem beyond repair. It's who I am. It's what I do. I'm here to take care of you. I'm your shepherd. You sang about me tonight. You sang about me tonight. You said I'm your shepherd and I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You sang that. 
What does that mean? I'll show you what it means. I'm the good shepherd and I lay my life down for the sheep. You you cannot question. You cannot question my motives. You can't question my heart for you. I laid it down my life for you. I'm for you. I couldn't have demonstrated it any more clearly. I am for you. I am for you. I am for you. And my kingdom is your kingdom. And my daddy owns it all. And you have his inheritance. And you have me, which is everything. You have everything. The world wants to tell you what you don't have. The enemy wants you to be afraid and sad and discouraged and disappointed. And I'm telling you the truth. You have me. I am the light of the world. You have my father's inheritance. You have everything. Everything. Jesus, take us deeper. You're so good. You're so good. You're so good, Jesus. You are so good. Even when we don't have the answers to things, you know what? It doesn't change that you're good. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced, Jesus, there's going to be a day Each one of us is taken into your glory. And you're going to show us the big picture and the totality of things and even the things that we went through that seemed so hard. You're going to show us some some things that are going to blow us away. You're going to show us heaven's perspective on what we were part of. And so I'm asking tonight, Jesus, that you would breathe courage back into every heart. Encourage every person here. That we're alive by your choice. We are loved by your choice. We are here in this time in kingdom history by your choice. And, and we're yours. We're yours. So thank you, Father. Would you help us not to, I don't know, gauge our own days, how we think we're doing, how much we think we're accomplishing and would you, would you put our hearts at rest, God, trusting you? There's a really big picture, not just in our lives, but in the lives that have come before us and the ones that are coming after us. There is such a big story being told. But for the reasons that we're alive, would you breathe that courage back into us, God? Right now. You know, the very next thing that Jesus said, very next verse, not that Jesus talked in verses. He didn't say, I'm reading from John 8, 12. He just said the next thing he was saying. And what I mean by that is that woman who he just said, who he just brought brought back, 
to um, to wholeness. She was right there. Even when he said, go and sin no more, I can guarantee you she wasn't going very far. That She just encountered the mercy of Jesus. This was the next thing he said. Because you might think, well, how do I go and sin no more? Like, what, what does that even mean? I want to tell you this. What Jesus wasn't saying is, you better not ever sin again, because if you do, the mercy's gone. Can I guarantee you that's not what he was saying? Remember, Jesus was alive during the Old Covenant. Which means it was all about keeping the law. He couldn't tell them otherwise. He hadn't died yet. You have to understand this. This is a very short teaching on a long topic. But you got to get this. Otherwise, some of the things he said doesn't quite make sense. He's leading people into grace. He's showing them the forgiveness of the Father. But he hasn't laid his life down yet. So he says to her the only thing he can say, because they're in the law, go and sin no more. But what he's really saying is, very next words, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will not be walking in the dark, but will have the light of life. So how do we walk in a way that's not destroying ourselves and the people around us by making bad decisions because we forget who we are? We walk in the light. What's that mean, Brent? Well, we, we, just like we just did, we take a really good look at Jesus often. We fall in love with him over and over again. We give him access to our hearts when we forget who we are. And he says to you, I'm going to, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you by walking in more and more light from glory to glory. You remember that one? From height to height. There are so many scriptures like that. What I have started in you, I will bring to completion. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. The Bible is packed with such promises. How can God make those promises when he knows good and well who we are? You might be thinking you're the only one who screws up. Can I tell you there's a whole room full of us and I'm included. Meaning the devil's game is to tell you, well, you are, you are a blow it case. And you're the only one who has these problems. Can I tell you, we all need a Savior every day of our lives. And the more real we are with him, Jesus, I need you. That's walking in the light. Jesus, I can't do this without you. That's walking in the light. Jesus, things are not feeling good right now, but I'm going to worship you because you're worth it. That's walking in the light. And he is faithful. He's faithful and just. And check out this scripture right here. Hebrews 8, 11 and 12. There will be no further need. This, this was an Old Testament prophet prophesying into the time we're living in now that the author of Hebrews is recounting. In other words, this is not a past tense or not a future thing coming. This is what we're living in now. There will be no further need for each to teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, learn to know the Lord. No, they will all know me from the least to the greatest. How is that possible? Since I shall forgive their guilt and never more call their sins to mind. Wow. How are we going to know him? He says, there's only one way you can know me. I will, I will wipe, I wipe away 
your sin. I wipe away the record against you so that nothing stands between us. That's how you can come and know me. That's why you're all going to know me because I paid the price. That's how complete it is. This is the good news. Wow. So, Lord, where do we go from here? I don't know. Up? <laughs> from glory to glory. I just, I, I sense tonight that God is doing some deep, deep surgery in some hearts. And um, I, I do, you know what I want to do is I want to invite, um, uh, I want to invite you, if you would like, to, to still come forward. I have, there's a song I want to play. It's it's. Uh, mercy triumphs over judgment. It's a, a, a Bethel Jesus culture song. And um, tell you what, let's do this. I want to use this song. If you just want to sit and take it in, this would be great. Maybe the Lord's done some things you want to keep going. If you want to come up here, please do. And and would you do me this favor? Would you just, if you want to like talk to people, could you just wait till the song's over? And then I'll give you that opportunity. All right? So, uh, so Lord, once again, we're just asking you, touch our hearts with the truth. Ask uh, some of the prayer teams to come up. Uh, I think I just think it's important that we have that available tonight for possibly if you need physical healing, but also just if something touched your heart and you want to pray with someone about it. Sometimes what can happen on a night like tonight is it can feel a little bit raw, and um, maybe you just need someone to agree with the Lord for you, you know, regarding something that's going on inside of your heart. And can I tell you, these people who are up here, and I'll stay up here as well, and um, like it if you want to want to join him that would be awesome if you would like to but i, I would just um like to say that everyone here is uh, really safe safe in a couple of ways um safe meaning that um you know they're not going to do things to hurt you but also safe meaning that whatever you share with them is confidential so if you just needed some someone to agree with you please uh i want to invite you up to do that and uh 
So, Father, we thank you that um, that mercy has is has always been your plan, and it's who you are. It is an essence of who you are. Thank you, God, that that uh, we are the delight of your heart. We are the ones that you want, and thank you, Jesus, that you you made everything right for us. We do believe you. We know you're the Son of God. We know, we know that you been raised from the dead, that you are seated at the right hand of the Father, and you are now the one interceding on our behalf. You are the good shepherd. You're the one that we want. Bring us back to that first love over and over again. Amen.